0: Guys, and welcome to the Tales and Tunes podcast with me, your host Ben Milhau. We begin this week's podcast with B Tsunami's number one track pick of the week, and this week's pick is an original by today's guest, Jan von Lear, entitled "Descent" off of his new Descent EP. This release is on Rusted Root Records, so head on over to Beatport if you like what you hear. But for now, turn it up. Trying to get this new podcast off the ground. I'll just go ahead and introduce myself for those of you who may not know me. Um, uh, my name is Ben Mielhau, uh and my uh, DJ alias is uh, B-Tsunami. I'm a little bit of background, I'm originally uh, born and raised in Iowa outside of Cedar Rapids and have been into music my whole life. My uh, my dad was a drummer, uh, my older brother was a saxophone player, my older, other older brother played the drums, and uh, music's just been a big thing in my family my whole life, and growing up I was into music and played instruments throughout high school and whatnot, and then uh, I'd say uh, in about high school time I discovered uh, electronic music through one of my friends who showed me my first trance music that I ever heard, and my love from there kind of snowballed uh into other genres and whatnot and uh, after i graduated in 2004 and then uh about 2006 is when um i really started getting into electronic music and when i went to my first party and was inspired to uh, to pursue djing and and such so i started uh about in late 2006 uh djing and then uh a, Played and through events uh, in in the Iowa scene for about six years. Was and am still part of a, a crew called the Code with a bunch of my really good friends who uh, still to this day throw shows together uh, every once in a while when we can. And uh, so then uh, after being like I said, played. I was in the scene for about six years, and after graduating from the University of Iowa and. Uh, just being in Iowa City for many years, I decided it was about time to uh, uh, get a change of scenery, make make a move to a big city, and uh, it was it was between it was pretty much between I'd say probably Minneapolis and, and Denver, um, because out of the Midwest, uh, I'd say Minneapolis is probably for for underground electronic music and and pr- producers and such. Uh, I think. Minneapolis has, has the strongest stuff going on in the Midwest. But I also wanted more than just uh the opportunity to to be experience electronic music all the time in the big city setting. My favorite place growing up has always been Colorado with my older brother used to live out here, so he used to come out here all the time skiing and snowboarding and uh rock climbing in the summer, so it it just came down to uh that choice and the the mountains really kind of tipped the uh tip the bucket for me coming out here and uh uh actually and right before while while I was trying to make that decision uh I actually was able to come out and play the festival outside of uh, or in boulder uh called Community that happens every spring and after coming out here in in uh two thousand twelve to to play that event, it, it, it was just clear it was going to be such an easy transition meeting all the people that live out here and uh, the scene, that was, was just really cool, so uh, that that was definitely what inspired me to make the move and, and now uh, here, uh, what is today? September? October oh, it's October second. October the 2nd already October the 2nd of 2014 here we are two years and two months later and uh, I couldn't be happier with my life out here and the people I've met and uh, continue to meet and the spreading of my DJ web and, and network and and uh, begun to throw parties and, and, and play shows out here so it's been a really cool journey so far and uh, here we are now uh, I'm making a podcast so it's pretty exciting to be out here in Denver and, and making things happen and, and getting back on the horse. Um, So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. I won't bore you with that anymore. Um, but to sort of, like I said, this is the first, first podcast of Tales and Tunes and what, what kind of inspired me to do this. And i I kind of mentioned this before was, uh, that I, I am a avid listener of podcasts and, uh, it's, it's a really awesome medium where people have absolute control of what they're doing. They can put out whatever content they want and, people can listen to it or they don't have to there they there's no networks or, or people overseeing what you're doing it's it's such it's it's the wild west right now in the in the podcast realm and it's uh, i couldn't recommend it more so some of the major ones that have been in, uh inspired me are uh probably number one definitely is the joe rogan experience i would highly recommend that podcast um there's also, I mean, there's, beyond just, like, people talking and stuff, there's music podcasts out there, all sorts of artists, and people are putting out podcasts like crazy, so there's, like, an unlimited amount of content. I, some I would recommend is, like, Adam Bayer's Drum Code Radio, uh, Chris Liebing has CLR podcasts, uh, another really good one, uh, with, uh, from some of my favorite comedians, uh, Your Mom's, Your Mom's House podcast by, uh. Tom Segura and Christina Pajitsky, And then there's also educational stuff like uh, Hardcore History by Dan Carlin, who just breaks down some of the most epic uh, untold stories uh, of how crazy human beings have been in the history of uh, the world coming to be. So definitely get out there and listen to some podcasts. Uh, hopefully this isn't the first one you're listening to, but if if it is, then... Awesome, <laughs> so yeah, after listening to many different kinds of podcasts i and and loving the art form i I just kind of noticed that there weren't a whole lot of uh podcasts that mixed the style of say like a Joe Rogan podcast where that it's strictly just people talking and and shooting the shit and having a an amazing conversation uh, versus versus someone who has a music podcast where like like drum code or CLr where it's pretty much. An intro of whoever's playing and then it's their hour mix. So you just pretty much hear their music. You don't really get to hear from the artist and, uh, feel out what kind of a person they are or or how they came to, to be who they are and why they're making this music and such. So I've kind of taken it upon myself to start this and, and combine the two because they affect my life so greatly. So That's kind of the format of what this podcast is going to be. Uh, The first half will be more of an interview style or not interview but more of a conversation slash interview between me and uh, uh, artists within the uh, techno and house uh, community uh, electronic community in the world. Um, It's primarily uh, we'll be starting, we'll be featuring artists from uh, the Denver region also the Iowa region and and whoever else I can get to get on and and, uh, shoot the shit with and share some music with, so... uh, Finally, uh, with Tales and Tunes, uh, the inspiration, I mean, obviously, the the talking part and the music part, Tales and Tunes, but the name actually comes from the first preschool that I ever attended uh, when I was, like, three or four. It was called Tales and Tunes, where we would learn nursery rhymes, like Hickory Dickory Dock and shit like that, so... I, I felt like it was a good, uh, name to, uh, kind of, uh, rise from the ashes and, and use in this, uh, new setting. So, uh, that was the inspiration for the name. Well, yeah, that's enough, uh, breakdown about what this is all about and whatnot. Uh, we'll, we'll just <clears throat> get into the actual discussion here with, uh, my guest, my first guest, uh, on this, uh, podcast, um. My first guest has been uh, DJing since '98, so fuck, what eight, sixteen years? Something like that. Sixteen. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Sixteen now. years has been producing for 2000, or producing since 2006. He also has been in Denver for a little over uh, the little over two years, and has uh, his own produce releases on Definitive Records, Bluefin. Yeah. And Rusted Records. So, without further ado, I will introduce my first guest. It's is uh, Jan von Leer. Uh, thanks for being on here, man. For the first show, I really appreciate it.
1: For sure, man. Thanks for having
0: me. Not a problem. Yeah, the first time I think I ever—no, I mean I don't think I, I know for sure. The first time I ever saw you perform or saw your name was at a, a little party in the summer of 2012, about two hours north of uh, Minneapolis. Uh, in between a forest and a cornfield called Location classified, <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, that was about a couple of years ago. Uh, and then like going back to what you said before, Minneapolis is a is a pretty awesome city for music and for techno, especially um, but you know its it's it's cool also just because people there are really open and they don't you know they like their techno, but they also like all kinds of different forms of of dance and electronic music as long as it doesn't suck. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna like shake a finger at you for playing something a little proggy or a little house in your set you know it's, it's not like they just want one thing but yeah man it's such a such a cool city and that that party was really fun um obviously really fun to uh get out in the middle of nowhere literally and play and you know be a part of something with you know guys like Luis Flores and Audio Injection and then you know more local midwestern guys like the goat and centrific and you know it was just son and rissy yep rissy that was the first time i met rissy his set was really awesome um you know that setup on the main stage was fucking retarded it was like what like 16 (laughs) base bins like laid out in front of that (laughs) shit like i couldn't even go near the uh main stage without earplugs like my eyes would start to water (laughs) and shit dude it was so crazy
0: yeah that's one thing about the midwest man is that uh I mean, yeah, it's the Midwest, but damn,
1: we know how to party. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and they know how to they know how to put some serious sound systems together for sure. Like some of the biggest shit that I've ever heard has been in the Midwest, and yeah, yeah I got a lot of friends from Iowa, uh, Minneapolis, um, fucking Wisconsin, Missouri, like you know, all over the place out there, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess Colorado would technically part of it i guess kind of count as the midwest it's i mean the upper midwest yeah it's, it's like the high plains <laughs> yeah, slash yeah midwest it's like the coast of the midwest in a way totally <laughs> but um yeah no man classified and sub subclass <laughs> the guys that threw that really good people they brought me up to minneapolis like three times now every time it's been a blast so yeah heck yeah i'm man. glad that that's you know that's where we didn't actually meet there but
0: yeah yeah definitely i remember seeing yeah. you play and that's what that's why when I came here and I was just like, wait, that guy lives here. I was like, holy shit! Right? <laughs> yeah, because you were like the number one name on the flyer too, and everything. Or like you were was like, like, I, I was work. up there with the with the the, the guys. Yeah. No, yeah, It, yeah. Pretty, I like, it looked shit. pretty cool. <laughs> 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 that, I was I was complaining when they sent me the flyer, and I was like, all right, yeah, fuck, I'll take that. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, I guess uh, let's let's just go back in time a little bit um, as yeah where so where are you from like originally or where'd you grow up or did you move around a lot
1: or yeah that's a pretty tough question (coughs) to answer because i mean uh moved to the states when i was five i actually moved to iowa cedar falls and i lived there for two years and before that was in peru uh england germany holland and i was actually born in mexico so lived kind of all over the place although i don't really remember a lot of that shit but um yeah i lived in iowa and then moved to california so i'd say i really grew up in california so i lived there since i was seven and uh part of california central coast like monterey bay area so it was salinas california but it's you know near monterey and santa cruz okay um about an hour and a half south of the bay area mm-hmm. san francisco um Yeah, I wasn't, you know, really that exposed to dance music then. I really loved music, always uh, played guitar and, you know, before that was in, like, the school band and things like that and Mm -hmm. um, was really into punk rock and metal growing up and then it wasn't really until I went to college in San Luis Obispo that I seriously started getting into house and techno music. A good friend of mine had, like, a badass Jeep with a huge system and... Was like bumping all the like old moonshine CDs and shit, it's like fucking John Kelly and all that kind of shit. Doc Martin, you know, it's fucking. It was like okay, this is some cool stuff. Where was where was college again then? At that, that time, it was uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. I was there for about a year and a half. And that's that's uh, between it's like between San Francisco and LA, kind of like right in the middle. It's oh, okay. Like an hour, forty-five minutes or so uh, north of Santa Barbara, on the bay. It's on. It's on the co. It's on the coast. Yeah, it's like near Pismo Beach.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh w- so you were in college and your buddy in the Jeep and whatnot. Um, s- wait what year was this then? That was ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, ninety seven. Ninety seven. So then, when did? uh you, was it your first party, or was it? Did you get into DJing
1: before you went to an event, or? Not really. I mean, I was just kind of listening to the music and stuff, and, um, like at the time, my band was kind of breaking up because we were all going to different colleges, and so I was kind of like didn't really know what to do musically. What was your band name? Uh, we were called Split Ticket. We were kind of like punk California skate punk rock type shit. <laughs> The um, same stuff I played. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, man. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know what to do. I knew I wanted to do something, but uh, yeah, when I went to my first party, which was in Santa Barbara, m- same friend and the crew group of people took me there. Uh, I saw a DJing and you know saw that shit out for the first time and took my first pill too. Uh, truth be told, but um, <laughs> yeah, man, it fucking. It just all clicked like I was like holy shit like that's that's what I want to do you know I was always really into like the more technical side of music and stuff anyway and like messing with settings and flipping switches and knobs and shit so DJing was like perfect Mm -hmm. plus you didn't need a band so that was that was really attractive and pretty much right away just kind of like made a plan to figure out how to do it and get the equipment necessary like as soon as possible Mm -hmm. like right after that first party and also, like you, it was trance music. It was like that ninety late '90s progressive trance shit. It was mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently, according to my friends, it was pretty cheesy, but I really liked it, and it got me into the shit. So hey. yeah,
0: absolutely. Haters gonna hate. Right. <laughs> cool. So, uh, how did? When was you? When did you get your first setup? Then, or were you playing on a friend's system? No.
1: My dad had like a really shitty turntable, but it had a pitch control. It was just like a knob, but then like with the missing knob. So it was like a little metal piece that you had to turn. And uh, I just kind of learned how to mix on that by like recording the record onto a cassette and then playing the cassette and trying to mix the record to the cassette. It was kind of pretty ghetto setup, but that's, you know, how I learned the basics of beat matching and then eventually got one real... T- "Quote unquote" turntable, which is a Gemini. Um, so I had that, and then the shitty table, and you know, I just learned how to mix on those and made my first mixes and shit. So it was pretty ghetto setup, but uh, you know, I think when you learn how to play on a on a crappy setup, then when you get the chance to play on a nice one, it's it's not very difficult, mm-hmm. you know.
0: And you're you're kind of prepared for whatever kind of setup, because I remember my first gig too, like. I bought my CDJs because I started in, like I said, 2006, and like I spent all my friggin' student loan money on a setup, and I got it, and I was so excited, and I (laughs) tried to start playing, and I'm like, this is fucking impossible, dude! (laughs) Like, I've never spent a thousand dollars, and just been so angry at, like, the product, because I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you you learn on that, you know, but, um, and when when you learn, or like, versus, I mean, when you're learning on a setup, like, especially if you're first setup, you're like, you go to your first gig and you're like, uh, can I just use what I work on? And yeah. then they're like, no, you you have to use this. And you're like, you've never even touched that equipment in your life. Right. So yeah, working on using an equipment like even like a you know a shitty setup or whatever definitely can set you up for playing on pristine stuff way better, or you know can prepare you for whatever curveball they. Mm-hmm the uh the venue's going to give you when you go to play on whatever equipment they have.
1: Yeah, totally. That's you never know what the state of the shit that you're going to be playing on. I mean, it can be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um yeah, I was lucky my friend actually let me just kind of have at it with his setup. He just gave me like a crate of records that he didn't care about and was like, "Here, just go to town." And so it basically like left me alone with this shit for like 3 hours and I just played You know taught myself kind of how to do it you know however much you can in that short time so i knew kind of like what the techniques were like and stuff so like when i went to gigs after practicing on my stuff like i knew what to do and shit it wasn't too hard but it's Mm -hmm. i mean it's still you know the i think the main difficulty and like intimidation of playing your first gig like the last thing you're worried about most of the time is the equipment you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh my god, what, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, am I gonna suck? Are people gonna throw shit at me? Like, are they gonna tell me to go home? Like, what's gonna happen? So, and you know, there's still a certain amount of that pretty much at every show, especially the ones where you're playing out of town in a place that you've never played before. There's always a bit of like, dude, are people gonna like just seriously not like this? You know? It doesn't matter how many places you played, so
0: mm-hmm. yeah, completely. So, yeah, 98, you started playing on stuff so when did you stay in that area for long
1: Uh, I moved up to Humboldt County in 2001 yeah so I was there for like a few years Uh, actually I moved I was only in San Luis Obispo for a year and a half and then I moved back up to the Bay uh, Monterey Bay area and uh, lived there for a bit and pretty much just worked and bought records yeah you know what I mean I'd drive up to the Bay and buy records and then Moved up to Humboldt County, so I was up there for 10 years, from 2001 to 2011.
0: Right on. Do you still talk to your homeboy from...
1: Yeah, dude, definitely, yeah. I mean, I was part of a group up there called Deep Groove Society. They're still there. Um, They do most of the house and techno-type events uh, up there. We had a weekly called Sundays, which they still do uh it's fucking now at this point probably been going on for 10 years wow at, at least if not more um a good group of guys like mainly house housey djs uh, a little bit of breaks and drum and bass and uh you know then they uh, you know there's a huge bass music movement up there so they cater to that a bit too but you know they we we used to do full moon parties and in in, t- in town kind of like one-offs and after hours and shit and a lot a lot of fun had a lot of good artists come through um yeah it was it was pretty special pretty awesome oh, shit!
0: there we go interviewer fucking up on the first one yeah to, to be <laughs> clear that was ben
1: that, that wasn't me that's my girlfriend. If it was me, it would have been some sort That's of uh, my girlfriend some too. sort of Mario she Brother Mario head. brother song. <laughs> no. But anyway, fucking uh yeah, so I talked to those guys quite a bit. We actually had three of them out here uh last year or no, was it this year? Yeah, it was February of this year. Um they flew out and we did some shit and we did a party at Narad with Greenie. Uh DJ oh. Greenie, um another pretty awesome local DJ and sometime uh event coordinator um yeah we did that at norad it was actually one of the biggest nights upstairs in the lounge and um yeah a lot of fun yeah we had uh derek watts uh and matt nicholas from deep groove out here so yeah just you know good group of guys i'd like to get back out there soon so uh also if anyone is listening that makes music and they get an offer to go out there and play even if it's not very much money, you should go do it because it's f- pretty fucking awesome. And, like, people out there are just different. Like, they're not connected so much to, the, to the, the rest of the world. So, like, you can just play anything and they'll just fucking eat it up if it's good. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's, like, not the trendy thing or whatever.
0: Mm hmm. Totally, man. So, uh, when, yeah, so you moved up to Humboldt County and everything. What, uh, when did you. Did you start, like, finding the music you like to play or where along the lines? Yeah, I mean, I've to... always
1: been pretty varied. I think that's part of my DJ sound that has, you know, still stuck with me. Um, you know, like I said, I started with trance and then moved into techno and then house and even, like, drum and bass. And I was playing some side trance parties and shit. So, yeah, I mean, eventually it kind of, I found the right blend, I'd say, of, of sounds, which is, like, pretty much based in house and techno essentials like the foundation and then has a little bit here and there you know i like some melodic stuff i like some harder banging shit i like some tribal stuff and you know really whatever is gonna work for that moment you you know you really never know until you're there you can always think like oh i'd love to play this but you know you might get to the party and it's just a completely different feel and you're like okay i'm gonna have to play something a little bit different you know so yeah, but you know, basically, I love shit that's fucking chunky beats, well produced, and good basslines and a good groove. Basically, I'd say if it has to be boiled down, that's what I like.
0: Mm-hmm. I can relate to that for sure, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, when uh, t- you said uh, 2006 is when you started
1: producing, how did, what uh what kind of got you into that? Well, I've been fucking around before, like uh, with some equipment. I had a couple pieces of hardware. That I'd mess around with some rolling boxes and things like that and uh you know just kind of dabbled in production but then uh then i don't know i think it was like a lot of things happening at once like i broke up with my girlfriend at the time quit my job like decided if i had like a year and a half left in school i was like Fuck it, i'm gonna knock that out and then just like concentrate 100 percent on music production you know which at the time seemed like a pretty daunting task because like you, know, you listen to the stuff that you're making and then you listen to what's coming out and you're like fuck this doesn't sound anything like that like in terms of quality or fucking sound or anything you know so i was like holy shit this is gonna take forever but you know yeah it's i'd say that was kind of it just like it's the logical progression in a way you know what i mean of like you've been djing for a long time you've been throwing parties at some point you want to do something a little more you know you have other ideas and You just kind of want to make them happen. I don't don't really know what it is anymore because it's been so long now. But, yeah, it was definitely kind of like an obsession. You know what I mean? Like, I have to do that Mm -hmm. kind of thing.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, I mean, when you you listen to music for so long, it it gets to the point where you're like, I know what I like to listen to. It's like, why don't I just fucking make that? Yeah. (laughs) I know exactly what I want to hear. Why don't I just create that myself?
1: Yeah, but the ironic part is it's not so easy to do that. Oh, yeah. It takes years to get to the point where you make something that is what you want. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, fuck, dude, it takes forever to even get to the point where you make something that doesn't suck. And then, I mean, some people, it's a different story. Like, some people are, like, fucking naturals and wizards. They just get on the, you know, system or whatever, and then, like, they've figured it out really quickly. But for most people, it takes a long time and a lot of hard work to trial and error of what works and what doesn't. And I think nowadays maybe there's a little more in terms of resources for people to use, like, you know, tutorials on YouTube and things Mm -hmm. like that that are really helpful and really awesome. You know, so I definitely, I think that's a plus. But, shit, I remember when I started at the time, there was almost no information on how to, like, for instance, mix down a track for the club. You know, you get all this all these books and stuff that show you how to mix down rock records and pop records and things for a radio and for but you know nothing that tells you like how how do you get a fat bass sound and a fat kick drum and to like really really hit in the club mm-hmm. it was hard to find that kind of shit you know i think now there's probably a little more but still you know if, if you want to learn how to do it you gotta, gotta be prepared to to put some time in
0: yeah what, what did you start using when you start, or what, what, what program were you using when you started out or,
1: uh, reason at first, um, and then sw- I got into logic about like six months later. Oh, right. Um, and that's what you still use to this day. Yep. I use logic and, uh, use reason. I still use reason for drums, mm-hmm. like creating drum grooves and things like that. How, have, how have they evolved Oh, since you, you know, know I'm probably using... the wrong person to ask yeah. that because I'm still using Reason Four <laughs> and uh, Logic Nine. So, um, but you know, Reason's gotten really cool with the newer ones. They have now recording and mixing capabilities built in, so you don't have to, um, you know, rewire into a separate program or whatever. Um, I mean, I've been keeping up with what they're doing. I just, you know. I don't really know if I'm going to use more than what I've been using for the last 10 years when it comes to that program. So mm-hmm. I kind of just stick, stick with what I got as long as it works. But yeah, no, I mean, the, they've done so much cool shit. And I think the most important aspect of what's been improved in a uh, computer based production is the quality of processing plugins and virtual instruments, you know, especially modeled ones after like ones that have been modeled after actual real you know hardware units you know whether it's like the arturia shit like the uh the jupiter or the wave stuff like their models of like the api and ssl boxes or focus right with their liquid stuff uh uad whatever you know there's so much to choose from it and on top of that you've got the stuff that's not modeled after vintage gear you know you've got the stuff that's just like some new thing and those are pretty awesome too so i think that the bridge has really been gapped between the the, uh digital uh versions and the actual original analog versions and in many ways the digital versions are actually superior because not only are they much much easier to use in terms of setting up and maintaining their uh some of them sound better because you don't have like the audio hums and things like that, that the hardware units did. So yeah, you kind of, and now you've got best of both worlds and you've got some seriously powerful tools at your disposal. You know what I mean? It's pretty, it's pretty exciting.
0: Heck yeah, man. So when, uh, as you, as you started producing, how long before, uh, were you actually producing stuff you like, or, Sent off to be released, or or like, you know, um, made
1: actual EPs well, or. Let's see, I started. I got Logic, or I got Reason, in the middle of 2006, and then I signed my first track. I believe it was like, in the fall of 2007, and then it came out in October of 2007. So, I'd say it was about a year and a half from like making the decision of like this is what i want to do to getting my first track released it was, yeah about a year and a half that's awesome what track and what label uh is was it was a track called one through seven and it came out on luke recordings or luke records from uh san francisco it's a label run by john d and Spech, who are west coast legends in a sense um they had a couple of really huge tracks in the late 90s and then had a lot of success with a night called cool which is luke backwards it's like l-o-o-q is the name of the label mm. so it's the bat backwards um and that was a wednesday kind of like happy hour club night where they would start at like six o'clock on wednesday and go till like 10 30 and just like bump it out hard you know what i mean <laughs> you go you walk in there and it's just like raging and then you get let out on the streets at 10 30 disoriented and drunk and you're like oh fuck it's Wednesday like 10:30." <laughs> but yeah um yeah it was really cool it was a label that I was you know I knew I admired I was I'd played their music so it was fucking dope to to be signed to that to that label it was a bit of good luck and and stuff but yeah through that track a lot of shit came out uh, I mean Carl Cox played that track a few nice. other DJs were rocking it there was a remix by Momu on the EP which was which was pretty awesome um yeah I, I was pretty happy with the way that started i have to say
0: cool man so so where did it go from there i mean uh i mean you've got a bunch of releases out on um, various record labels but uh-huh. uh where did it all go from there
1: well from there i uh i mean in that year 2007 i made a lot of connections uh, i met john Dean Spech in san francisco but previous to sending them music i met uh john aquaviva in la um and he told me to send him some music so i did and you know three failed attempts and then the fourth one he liked it and wanted it so that was kind of a huge shock i think i almost had a heart attack when i read the email the first time <laughs> i was like wow yeah this is this is a real deal and uh you know, from there, just you know, I think that helped a lot. Uh, being on a label like Definitive, it's a lot easier to send shit to people um, that may not, may or may not know you. You know what mm. I mean? It gives you like a bit of credibility oh, yeah. to send people stuff, and then uh, so that helped. And you know, getting on a few other labels, and you know, I didn't really want to get on too many labels at the time and like get too too crazy with it. But uh, pretty soon after that. Uh, Got into the position to start doing the uh, monthly radio show and podcast for Definitive and I did that for three years and that helped a lot I mean I think that's how I got the original Minneapolis gig Mm. that's how I got you know my first gigs in Austin and some other places um, where people were just listening to that radio show and uh, you know got interested enough to, to reach out so yeah that's kind of how that went along um the sound of the music was a bit different back then it was a little more like underground electro house you know not like the stuff that we would think of today as electro house but a lot more underground groovy sound like the stuff that aqua Viva was playing back then even like Nox and beckers and blue you know, mm-hmm. Bluefin and great stuff and all those labels were putting out you know a lot of guys now that shifted into either techno or house but uh yeah I mean that's pretty much it cool man so
0: uh when uh amidst all this when and and why did you make the decision to move to Denver
1: well uh I mean first like during this whole time I was in Humboldt County so you know the whole time of signing with Definitive doing the radio show you know first time going out to Minneapolis all that was during that time that I lived in Humboldt County Mm. Um, you know I went to Miami a few times and did that kind of stuff and then the time came after a while I was like I definitely had to get out of Humboldt County it's a very small place I had kind of ran the course you know what I mean I had done what I could do out there there wasn't really anywhere else to go in terms of music plus everyone was super obsessed with bass music and dubstep I was like all right, I gotta get out of here so I went to, I had a bunch of friends in New York I had a bunch of friends in Philly New York is crazy so I went to Philly and I was out there for a couple of years and that was a lot of fun and just you know life has it's weird twists and turns and things happen and eventually I just found myself going to Denver because I didn't really have any big reason I liked Philly and I was happy there but I didn't have any big reasons to stay you know I didn't have like ties there like mm. that I had to do or like a really like you know job that I couldn't get out of or anything like that so it was like fuck it I'll go to uh, Denver I had a couple of good friends here and Really, kind of was thinking of it to be more of a temporary move because I wanted to go to Austin. But I think that uh, Denver really has something special in terms of it's different than anywhere else. It's kind of a small town and in a big town in separate ways. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. our scene has a bit of both in that. I think it's pretty cool. Um, melting pot, kind of. It is kind of a melting pot. You know, um, there's a lot of different things to do and a lot of choice and you know we've got for a town of our size we've got a pretty killer roster of artists coming through every once in a while you know what i mean i mean Mm -hmm. fucking the last year the amount of people that we have have (laughs) or have had the opportunity to see is pretty mind-blowing i mean it's better than philly i'll tell you that in terms of like who you can go out and see you know and you've Mm -hmm. got your choice of, of what you want to do you know i think uh it's a great place you know and like a lot of really good talent local talent um people that are working pretty hard with their djing and their production and stuff and i think it's a pretty cool place to be for for all that not to mention the other perks of living in colorado you know what i mean like
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i I like it yeah absolutely man how do so how since you have been here about uh, a little over two years then how how do you how do you feel it uh living here has changed or affected your production or DJing or your pursuit? Of?
1: Um well, I think that it it's changed in in this, in ways that I've been able to find a more natural sound here because uh compared to Humboldt County or Philly where the there's not a huge um market for really underground House and techno music, like serious underground house and techno shit. There's people that will like it, but in Philly, for instance, like people, especially when I was there, like the more bigger room, you know, electro kind of stuff. And you kind of had to play it a little more commercially, you know, regardless of what your tastes are, unless you're like a total hermit and you don't want to go out and you're going to be mad all the time, like you kind of have to be influenced a bit by your surroundings and what people respond to and like because you want people to respond positive positively to what you're doing so i think that uh you know in in uh humble humble northern california california in general i think the bass music and that kind of thing has really been super influential so i think out here in denver you kind of can pick and choose what you want to hear and what you want to go out and there's people that like pretty much everything so you can kind of like, I think I've naturally kind of flowed into a sound that's a little more organically what I would do, you know what I mean? Without having to worry about other people and shit. So that, Mm -hmm. in that way I really, you know, I like it. I think that's kind of what Denver has done is allowed an opportunity to just be more open with the music. And the one thing you can't really do in Denver that much is like cheese out too hard. You know what I mean? You can't just like Mm -hmm. get, you know, just like fuck it and order a, bottle of champagne and start dropping cheddar bombs left and right you know i mean people are would probably some people would probably go home and whereas in other towns you can kind of get like austin for instance you could totally get away with that you know just Mm -hmm. be in a total cheese bucket and start like fucking around on stage and like that sometimes that can be really fun and add to the party but denver takes its music pretty seriously and uh and that's kind of where the one place that I don't see a lot of cross pollination is between the more underground and the more commercial, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of back and forth between those groups, but I mean, we've got a fucking healthy ass underground. Yeah, it's true, man. I think it's a place that probably people go away from with positive stories more often than negative stories, you know, when Mm -hmm. they come through and play. Yeah,
0: absolutely, man. Um, so yeah, what, I guess, yeah, I mean, you've been living all over the place your whole life, but, uh, are there other are places that music has taken you? Like, I mean, you know, you found yourself in a place like, wow. I there's no way I would be here if I didn't make this music or like places that have just enabled you or I mean,
1: driven you to go to a place that you've never been or or just Yeah. I think so. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, on a smaller scale, there's places like, you know, why the fuck would you be in the industrial warehouses of Oakland? You know what I mean? Just, like, rolling around, just, you know, having a picnic. Like, it wouldn't happen, you know? So, yeah. It, is that On a smaller scale, there's definitely a lot of things like that. Like, dance music will take you to some pretty weird fucking spots just to, like, go have some fun and listen to some music. Mm-hmm. Or in the middle of the forest, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you would never be walking around in the middle of the fucking forest in, the, in pitch dark, you know what I mean? <laughs> in the middle of the night, you know, just randomly, you know, you're going there to, to hear some music. So yeah there's definitely that but also traveling wise for sure you know going to things like south by southwest and in austin and uh ade in amsterdam um you know getting a chance to play in madrid just things like that you know that are uh opportunities that when they come around you feel pretty damn lucky you know what i mean and you're like fuck yeah you know and regardless of whether or not maybe you might have not gone there or you maybe you would have for another reason, like the fact that you're going there to play music is pretty special on its own. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, yeah, it's definitely a good opportunity and it's always, it's always fun and exciting to be able to like show up, show what, you know, you do to people who may not have ever even heard of you, you know what I mean? Or maybe they have, you know, either way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so i mean that being said what do you have like a like one of your most memorable experiences
1: or i mean shit. i mean there's a lot of them
0: i know yeah, it happens there's a, a lot there's like a bunch. magic I'd say, moments
1: i'd say probably one of the best ones was last year uh when i went to detroit um because i it was the second time i'd been in the area i've never been for dem for movement or any of that shit just changing but, uh, next year yeah, right? It's, it's whichever one it is this year, like, let's flip a coin. <laughs> but I went out there just to film a video. No, I meant,
0: which is changing, because you're going. Oh, am I going? I, you is better. That, you oh, better.
1: Okay, see. <laughs> uh, Same, you Fucking, uh, but yeah, I went out there just to film a video at the Grasshopper in Ferndale with Dan Diamond and John Aquaviva for a track that they did, and uh, Dan just basically conjoled me into going and i had no expectations other than we were going to film this video and then it turned out that after the video we were doing a whole private party with uh john and these guys who i didn't know at the time Hugh and brian from golf clap and uh they were you know introduced to me as just like the the uh whatever you call it like the resident djs at the at the grasshopper but they were super fucking cool and they were just fucking killing it both them and john and then i guess john convinced them to let me play with them so the whole night rest of the night we did just threes john golf Clap, and me and back and (laughs) forth and at first i was pretty fucking nervous because they were like just killing it so hard with this deep house stuff that i just didn't really have you know what i mean like if you listen to golf clap they have their very own deep house sound and it's awesome it's kind of you know intimidating at first, but they were so fucking cool, and it was just such a good time. Everything worked out, so I'd say that was kind of one of my best memories because it was so unexpected. And it kind of teaches you to like not have expectations, because there's been plenty of sh- shitty experiences that you know if you were really looking forward to, it, it would have been pretty, pretty, you know, it would have been a huge bummer to to experience. So it's kind of nice to go into things without expectations, but sometimes you get positively surprised, you know?
0: Yeah, totally, man. Um, so yeah, with, with that, uh, talking about the awesome places that, uh, this can take you, um, there's a, you know, two sides to the coin. It can also take you to some pretty ridiculous, uh, locations where, uh, things don't turn out how, (laughs) uh, they, you wish they could have. And, uh, uh, we have a we have a pretty good example of this from last week, and I'll let I'll let Jan kind of lead the story, and I can chime in and whatever on. But uh, I, I guess I'll just intro it. But last week we me and Jan were booked to play at what was the venue called in Colorado Springs?
1: Southside Johnny's.
0: Southside Johnny's. My uh, a good friend of mine from Iowa who works in the kitchen there is trying to get a Thursday night thing off the ground and showcasing. Uh, House and techno on the Thursdays, and uh, he he booked me and Jan to come down and play for the first time, uh, or for the first show of it, and uh, we went down there, and uh, I guess well, yeah, things didn't really go <laughs> as planned today. Yeah, not <laughs> not at oh, all. Yeah, well, was... I guess yeah, I got the I got down there first, and uh, walked in I think at like nine thirty. And uh, it, they had this new friggin' really nice sound system on uh, that they just installed, and uh, my buddy had his monitor set up. There was like a DJ booth in the corner of this room, and uh, we—he wasn't in the DJ booth though. The the table was like in front of the DJ booth. we like, that's kind of weird. And I walked up I'm like, oh hey, what's up, buddy Rico? My buddy was throwing it, and he's like, hey man, he's like, sorry we can't use the booth. The the house DJ here, the. I mean, the resident DJ is a dick, and he wouldn't let it, let us use it. So we just plugged into the the sound system, and we'll just play here. I'm like, "Oh, that's cool, man!" So then, uh, shortly after that, uh, we're I'm just sitting there, like we're just Rico's playing. There's like maybe five people in the room. Nothing major. I mean, it's still kind of early, but I mean, it's Colorado Springs as it is on a Thursday night. So, uh, we see like this really big black guy with a Bluetooth in his ear who ended up being the house DJ. He, he walks up to Rico and like has some words with him and then he walks out the door and I, uh, Rico calls me up. He's like, dude, apparently the, the resident, the house DJ is not going to let us, he says this sound is his and he's not going to let us use it and that he's, uh, lucky he doesn't call the cops on him for, for unplugging his XLRs from his equipment. (laughs) We're like what? So like he's like I think he's gonna I think he's gonna shut it off. And so like, literally like, uh, like a couple minutes later, uh, he comes back in and he goes to start unplugging it. And that's like right when Jan walks in. I'm like, oh, great timing, Jan. Our sounds getting turned off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean that's exactly a perfect. Uh, example of a scenario where it's good to not really have a lot of expectations I mean uh, mm-hmm. you know I kind of went into the whole thing going like alright I don't really know what is going to happen if anything but, yeah me too <laughs> You know, but still it was still shocking I mean everyone's had gigs that didn't go right you know there wasn't people there that someone dropped a ball but I've never been in a situation where it was the venue that dropped the ball. And then still we got treated so bad by the, by the guys who dropped the ball, you know what I mean? Almost like, as if it was our fault. Yeah. yeah. They, they were totally like acting like it was our fault. They were being total assholes. Yeah. Like the dude, like the owner, like kicked kicked me out. Like sicked his his, like security guy on us. Like told yeah. me that he was going to like fuck me up. Cause he was off. Like all this really dumb stuff. And it's like, dude, like I'm, I could definitely say I've never driven an hour and a half each way to, uh, to play a gig and gotten treated that fucking bad before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ne- that's never happened. And that yeah. it was pretty shocking. I and was,
0: when you, when you walked in, I was like, Oh man, he's walking right in as this is getting shut down. And like, we're like, Oh Jesus Christ. So we were just going to use his monitors. And, and I, I actually, the way you reacted, you're like, you know what? Whatever, man. I mean, these are these will work, and we'll just jam and we'll tag for you know the night instead of playing separate sets. I'm yeah. like, you know what? I like I like your attitude, dude. Like this might actually be okay. So then, so then, like we had this thought that you know we were gonna get on, and then we didn't have the right cord for the mixer. So Rico's like, I'll run to my house, 20 minutes round trip, and grab the cord so we can this will work because we couldn't use the dude's sound, we couldn't use his XLRs, so we yeah. were kind of screwed. And so he left and like. Like two minutes after he left, uh is when the, the bartender's just like, Yep, we're we're calling it a night. We're 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 just shutting the music off. Right. And like so like we didn't even get to play at all. <laughs> and that's when you went to, you were like, Yo man, we I drove all this way uh yeah, we know, at least need to get paid, at least get like come on, gas dude. money. It's, yeah. And then he's like, I'll talk to the manager. So that's when you went and talked to the manager.
1: Yeah, and then he just turned into like, I don't know what was up his ass, dude. He was not a nice man let's just let's just put it that way yeah. he was uh he was kind of like out of line for no reason
0: yeah like, dude what the
1: what the hell's your problem he's like telling us to go back to denver and like fucking like, complaining about fucking like the hula hoops and shit i'm like dude just, you're just such a like dick dude like what yeah. the fuck <laughs> yeah and their food was terrible yeah, yeah, the the nachos were not good. Don't don't go there, and if you do, don't buy their food. There's like at least five places on that same road, and they have to be better. Yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't matter, like what they do, they, I guarantee you, it's better. Yep,
0: and they they actually had a sticker on their bar that said "Keep Colorado Springs lame." <laughs> yeah they're doing a pretty good job i think we were like why didn't we take a picture of that well actually we looked it up too there's a website there's a whole thing that just has stickers of keep colorado springs lame so yeah
1: well apparently it's that kind of town so yeah next time you're booking your your tour uh, make sure make sure you hit Southside johnny's (laughs) in uh in colorado springs because it's an awesome time
0: (laughs) absolutely so uh yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting close to the end of it here. Um, what's so uh, what's uh what's on the horizon for for Jan von Leer? Any any big gigs coming up or productions in the making that you're excited about or?
1: Yeah. Uh, do got do you
0: something. have do you have like quotas you have to reach for a label no. or it's like a label ever like know. can you make us a track or is it kind of like? Yeah, I mean
1: they'll hit me up sometimes. Like you know once in a while you get hit up. I get hit up by a label and they're like, hey, you know what's going on? Do you got anything new for us or? Remixes, remixes, things like that. Um, I've got some stuff that's done that's coming out soon. Uh, My first release with Moody Recordings um, will be coming out soon. Uh, A track that I did with uh, Ben A and Jonas Temple. Uh, That track will be dropping on the Moody Closing Season Ibiza Comp. So uh, that track's called Targa, and it's um, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh just some some you know, it's like I've kinda taken a different approach to music these days and where I just don't really care as much about like all the bullshit that goes along with the music industry and the music world and promotion and marketing and all that kind of thing. So um I'm just, you know, gonna be hanging out, spending time in the studio when I want to and writing shit that I want to and you know, if people like it and they wanna get it or they wanna fucking have me play at their at their in their city like that's awesome and uh you know it's always pretty easy to do that so i'm not like a hard guy to book or whatever so yeah i mean that's kind of just my philosophy you know like just do shit that i want to do make sure everything that i do is you know real and not forced or making a track for this label or for that label or trying to go after any particular sound like i think i'm kind of settling into the sound that's pretty either chunky hard techno like my last uh, rusted release or more you know funky melodic houseier you know on the houseier side of tech stuff uh, like my last release with pet project so um just really kind of doing that and that's pretty much it man yeah i mean yeah. I'm, I'm pretty just settled in with with life these days and you know i, I still want to do music still definitely got a lot of stuff coming up in the next few years but um not trying to like you know run that the old rat race with it mm-hmm. do you
0: is there a average or like what's your rate about putting tracks out right now
1: it's right now, I'd probably rather not talk about that <laughs> like, i mean my my studio computer's been down for two months, so it's been pretty Ooh. much zero at this point but um been pretty uh. I'm definitely gonna get it back up here it can't go too far too much longer you know what I mean I'm yeah. like starting to freak out in terms winter's of like, coming, winter's yeah, coming yeah exactly winter's coming <laughs> Like I'm gonna have to like hermit out down here um plus like I walk by the room every day and I'm like fuck I'm I just wanna make music you know so I uh, gotta get that going again um but usually I'm. you know it's really hard to say I'd say at the, like the peak of times I was making like couple tracks a week yeah. um, but now nowadays it's more like you know say I had everything going and it'd probably be more like an EP a month or something like that you know what I mean um, that'd be a little more realistic maybe like an EP every other month and then like a remix you know kind of thing mm-hmm. like that month so it's I don't know I'd say I'd say that's about natural but sometimes I just get in a, in a, in a crazy state you know what I mean just make a bunch of shit all at once so yeah it really depends. I definitely don't set any sort of quota or I think that's a good thing to do though, for people who are starting out, you know what I mean? Like people who are learning shit. I think that's a really good thing to do is to set goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to make two tracks a month or I'm going to make two tracks a week or whatever it is. It's like
0: working out. Like getting it is a schedule. You
1: have to, and you're going to make, and, and the it important is thing to, to keep in mind is you might make a hundred tracks that year and like 85% of them, Might go directly into like the garbage or a folder that you're never gonna use again or you might listen to but no one else really likes it because that's just kind of how it goes it takes a long time to get to the point where you're making shit that other people like Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's not the shit that you like it's kind of weird it's a weird it's a weird (laughs) thing like yeah but um yeah yeah definitely setting goals for yourself is a good thing to do i just i'm I'm setting other goals now in my life you know what i mean they're not necessarily music related
0: yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) Um, so any any upcoming gigs where people come catch you live you have uh, yes marked yet definitely uh, November oh, fuck I can't remember if it's the twentieth or the twenty first I do no November twentieth or twenty first okay I'm gonna be playing at the Fusion Factory with Luke Mandala woo yeah I told you it's about a that big one, one for me huh? <laughs> I fucking love Luke Mandala yeah he's awesome he's a he's also a good friend of mine back from the Northwest we've collaborated on quite a few tracks together and uh i've done some work for his label activated and um gone up there and played a you know we we did some we booked him for deep groove and they booked me up there for their their stuff in uh salem oregon and eugene oregon and portland so yeah i've had a lot of fun times with that guy and uh, really looking forward to having some more after fuck it's probably been like five years now since i've seen him oh wow yeah that'll yeah. be
0: awesome man it'll be it'll I'm be pretty special excited for that show pretty
1: special yeah me too warm that place up that night but um other than that um you know what i'm probably forgetting something i probably have something that like someone's gonna call me like next week and be like yo so uh, what do you need for tonight and i'll be like oh <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> but um which definitely. is kind of a good and bad thing. But. It is, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a double edged sword. But uh, <coughs> going to be doing some events coming up. Uh, probably trying to team up with Safe and Safe House on a, on something here coming up. A uh, kind of a semi top secret plan. Um, and then uh, some other events. Uh, definitely want to bring Zenby out to Denver and um, some other people as well. Got some, got some, definitely some cool people. But be doing a label. Uh, in the next few months going to probably start kicking that off cricket um with my roommate and friend Devin what's that called do you have, do you
0: have for it?
1: it's it's all still kind of in the works the the details will be released here shortly um we don't really know exactly we had a, we had a big, big direction we were going to launch this summer and then we got caught up with some stuff and um we may do a little bit of rebranding so but yeah, either way, we're going to have some shows coming up and you definitely expect to see some things, um, shows, releases, and uh, other stuff um, within the next few months. I'll probably be going out to New York and Philly and playing out there, too, before the year's over. Awesome. Yeah, if you're on the East Coast, look out for that.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. And... Uh... Where if people want to find your music or or social medias, where uh-huh. Facebook, where, where can they find? Yeah, you?
1: Facebook slash Jan Van Leer, uh, pretty pretty simple. Uh, SoundCloud, That's Jan with a J, J A N. Yeah, SoundCloud's the same thing. Uh, it's got you have to hyphenate the spaces in SoundCloud apparently, so it's J A N hyphen V A N hyphen L I E R. So really, if you just go to uh, google and type my name in jan van leer you should be able to find everything you know links to Beatport, um soundcloud facebook uh twitter which i rarely use you will probably you'll probably see an advertisement for a show like two years ago if you go on twitter <laughs> uh, but yeah that's that's the best way to do it
0: cool right on man well uh and yeah so we're yeah we're pretty much done with the interview here and uh, we're gonna throw the mix on for
1: you so uh,
0: what what can we expect from this mix
1: we're about to hear? Uh, mix is going to be pretty pretty typical of what I do. It's kind of like a varied, eclectic um, sound, you know, mixing between uh, deeper house and more banging techno, and you know, just basically going from here to there and back again. Maybe um, the track that I'm going to start out with is uh, by one of my favorite producers, Anya Schneider on Mobily, which is a fucking kick-ass label and it's one of my favorite tracks of the year uh called dub mission so i'm gonna start there and then uh go on a little journey
0: all right man well yeah thanks again for being the first guest and it's, it's been fun talking to you and getting to know you a little bit deeper and whatnot and look forward to uh, uh, sharing the stage with you again sometime soon and Maybe down the line we'll get you back here on the podcast and get an update.
1: And right, hopefully we'll make it out to Iowa. Yeah, yeah,
0: that'll, that'll definitely be happening. Definitely guarantee that'll be happening, man. So, All right, thanks again, man, and uh, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, without further ado, here is Jan's mix for the podcast. Thanks, guys.
2: Bob, do Yes. <laughs>
3: we all on the top. We're the top. Rock all we the... the top. all